will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Hey, Andrew Malcolm here from Mortgage HQ, and I'm joined by Thomas Singh. And well, I don't even know the name of your company. I just know you, man. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Thomas Singh, um, if you go into the coaching side, it's under the Wingman NZ, and then my actual property flipping company, Asgard Investments Limited. That's right, man. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah. You've got the, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, Marvel Universe. So I grew up there. You know, I'm only 30, so I've grown up with Marvel for 12 years, right? And um, I always, you know, had that joke where you want to name your trading company something that sounds like like poor. So when it's on a sale and purchase agreement, the vendor's like, ah, oh, you know, this guy hasn't got that much. We might as well sign this low ball offer. Yeah. Instead, I go and call it the gold city yeah. in the Norse mythology, which is, yeah. So it's been a cool one to say. And um, yeah, it's just just cool thing to um, get on well with tradies and and other real estate agents that, that know it. So it's a good way for them to remember me. You've got that personality that I know will, will click with a lot of people. And yeah. Certainly watching your Instagram can see that you're trying to bring people along for the journey. Mm. You care about people's success. You're here because you've been flipping heaps of properties and you've been yeah. doing a pretty good job. How did you get there? Well, you know, it all starts with just having someone show that what's possible in property by either attending a seminar that was free yeah. to learn you in and then there's a paid spot at the end of it and showed the lifestyle of what a property investor actually is. Yeah. And when you get to the top tier, just managing stuff, numerous deals on at once, and you have all the time in the world to do whatever you want. Maybe you want to wake up, travel, do it all remote, and you don't actually have to do anything on the tools, any of the hard labor. And that to me was appealing. And of course, <laughs> it's a business that is super relatable, reliable. It's made the most millionaires on earth. And it's just something that like, I didn't know. My parents didn't really go into this. I had to learn it all from scratch. Yeah. But I did know that I was dealing with one of the safest investments out there. Yeah. If you get stuck with a property, you can't flip at least hopefully at the right price, then yeah, you will keep it. <laughs> Correct. You know, and then you learn about the exit strategy and all that type of stuff. But it was a good money-making venture where you don't have to be that smart to do it. Yeah. Now in today's day and age, people are looking at crypto, Forex trading, stock trading, IT, software, like that stuff is where humongous money is. Like you, you, don't wanna, you don't want to compete against the Goldman Sachs guys who you know, against Blackstone if you, if you oh, can. Yeah. Yeah. They're trillion dollar companies. But like even, even attaining the eight, nine, ten figure type companies, you got to be really smart. Like <laughs> yeah. you have to have gone through like most likely university education and software, like coding. Yeah. So I was like, real estate, I didn't go to uni. Yeah. So I was like, well, what can I do? People were like, get your real estate license, become an agent. And I was like, well, still got to see a few agents, how they operate. And, yeah. and I realized it's the people that own the house when they sell it. That make, make the, the most money. money. Yeah. And you can make a lot of money being an agent. You can, yeah, um, of course. My understanding of being an agent in New Zealand is there's a lot of disclosure rules. Mm. So if you're going to be trading or buying and selling properties and you are an agent as well, can create difficulty for you. Correct. A um, bit different from, say, in America where if you're an agent, you can just get a cut of a deal. and Yeah. Oh, America's laws are crazy. And it's one of the things as well, like a lot of people, as we were talking about beforehand, America, social media people dominate the attention space. And a lot of people might see how easy it is for them to do stuff. 
but it's totally the not rules like, are different. It's totally yeah. not how New Zealand. Like you can't buy a house in New Zealand with three percent deposit like you can in America. So just to whet the appetite, now how's a couple of your successful deals? But no, why should people listen to you, man? I started off with four thousand dollars. That's the main thing I did. I had to literally claw my way to get seventy-eight grand to do my first flip. I had no real training on how to do renovations whatsoever. Everything I did was to base it on common sense. If I buy it for this price and the renovations cost this much, how do I know? it will sell for this amount. And then there's heaps of things where you're learning from someone that breaks it down in the hard yards, but the definites where I make hundreds of phone calls, heaps of emails, and eventually you get to the point where you don't want to do hundreds of phone calls. So you have to find a more efficient way to do that. And I guess that's from someone where they're like, well, the track record's there. No one can buy 48 properties in two years if they don't know what they're doing. One mistake there, mate, you're done. Yeah, it doesn't take much to unravel. No, you can't get complacent, right? It is big numbers and it's tight timeframes. It just takes one bad tradie to lay something by a month. Oh, yeah, exactly, you know? And there's some times when I've got seven deals on at once and that's when it's really pushed to the edge. And I'm doing things at the moment where I'm so early to the game where I don't want to get on that train of being lazy and complacent and just have what they call sleepy money. So when you have sleepy money, that's when you've got something going on in the background where you're making money in sleep. Of course, that's the ideal world. But right now, because I'm so young, I'd rather do the hard passive money for at least five years. There's no point in letting something take 10 days if you can do it in five. Correct. Yeah. Just with a few extra calls. Yes. Being forced to do the active money, you are learning at a faster rate. I could have sat back and just did three deals that were probably massive profits, but I'm only dealing with maybe three plumbers, three sparkies, three builders, that's it. But instead of us doing smaller profits, smaller margin deals, but in higher quantity, I'm forced to to see all the mistakes that happen from what human beings are, my own mistakes, and I'm learning at a faster rate. Yeah, one of, one of those little tips I saw you talk about was having multiple keys cut and hid in different areas. Absolutely. For different tradesmen. And it's just such a simple idea. Yeah. But you would never know that until you made that mistake. Yeah, and it's, one key, yeah. one time, one place. Yeah, and they're coming. <laughs> I didn't have it. No, it must have been the Sparky. Well, the Sparky was there. And yeah, he doesn't pick up his phone. Playing game. game. And then the stages are standing outside with a truck. And, and they're like, what do we do? We break it. You're going to break a window. Break yeah, it. Yeah, break it in. I'm just going to have to pay Glazer $200. But it needs to be done. Pain in the ass. So you want to do that with every property. Three keys at least. Yeah. And they're like $8. So for something that costs you $24, it can ruin your entire schedule that delays things at hundreds or even thousands. Everything you're doing, you're trying to only go to that property one time, right? Mm. Even if you even have to go to it. Absolutely, you know. But there's small things there you get after like doing a lot and the mistakes and the other stuff there where, you know, it's a numbers game where there's more chances for things to go right. There's more chances for things to go wrong. You know, if we've done nearly 50, we've had break-ins, we've had things stolen, we've had people break in and just defecate on the ground and almost wipe it on all the walls after they're freshly painted. Thank God they didn't. Um, but just dealing with all that type of stuff. So how do you find these opportunities? To tell me, do, do you have some unfair advantage now where you've got agents calling you instead of you're yeah, going well, all by, listings? Yeah, by default, there has to be compound interest 
on like the more activity you do, the more, you know, the universe provides. It can't just be working hard, 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 and things aren't getting easier. So it is the compound interest of agents calling me, hey, I've got this deal. Do you want to look at it before I even take it to market? Or buyers that are just like, yes, I'm looking for this type of deal. Do you have anything for me? Which again, it sets your options up from the start. That All that took at least one year of going very hard on pushing this property and relationships yeah, relationships and it has to be public you, you can't be doing this type of stuff and keeping it to be only like 10 people know what you're up to but there is a price on speed yeah and so if somebody wants to get a deal done quickly as opposed to waiting for the best deal which might come in a month or two then of course there might be a discount that you get yeah and the same thing with like even finance companies which you guys would know right when they can settle on a deal in three days chances are you know they can the charge is higher. they can charge you whatever they want because they know oh well you, you you know you need this done so everything works into the numbers right yeah. but yeah I often do talk about just paying for speed so how are you minimizing your risk on top of that how do you maximize the return yeah so minimizing the risk well you know the risk basically starts for you the moment you've gone unconditional on a deal because that's where the legal risk comes in you either have to have got a serious buyer lined up or you have to have a serious plan on the renovations to get to the price that you know that you'll sell it at and if anything like that is missing then you're opening yourself up for that some people will go unconditional and don't have the reno funds and then they're going to do a half-assed reno and they get to the part of selling it which and, you did at the beginning right which i did at the beginning absolutely <laughs> and you wouldn't do it now no i wouldn't i myself back then would tell myself i can go back in time just do it you you figured it out but for other people it's you know it's a high risk appetite you know we use credit cards personal loans anything family's money to, to get it done but you have if you're going to be asking money from people you have to have a very clear and you have to be flawless in your explanation for them. If they rattle off 20 questions of what, if this goes wrong and you only answer 19, they won't give you the money. That's, no, that's the right decision for you. Yeah, to have known all 20, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And when you're just starting out, you won't know that. Yeah. So, so what, what happens that you can say, yeah, I'll go unconditional. You've got builder's report, you've got, finance maybe toxicology you've got the lawyer to check over the legal issues the title boundary lines how much does it cost you to go unconditional if you do unconditional and it's not accepted how much are you in that deal that is roughly you should be budgeting as a new person with no like contacts at least two thousand dollars so you're quite and i'm sure you don't like doing it but you're spending two grand on properties that you're not getting some some of the time Sometimes, yes, and this is common for most people, but then eventually you find ways where, especially if you're buying the same type of properties, like you're just going in the same type of region, same type of properties, same type of decade same of construction. Same people helping you out. Yeah, same people. You're sort of getting to know what you need to know at a way cheaper cost. We don't need a formal $700 building inspection. You're just paying an LBP guy 200 bucks. Just go over, take your photos, the big ticket items. Don't even look at the stuff that you know you're going to rip out anyway. So you start to save on that. Yeah. 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 Well, I've got nothing against spending money on deals you don't win because it is a numbers game. Yeah. And the reason you don't win it is because the, the numbers don't make enough sense. Absolutely. Right? Because the way that you would have got that deal is if you're offering more. <laughs> yeah. And it does help when you're using the same type of due diligence company as well because you are a loyal customer of theirs you are still giving them money even if you're not buying the deal that eventually what happens is i might have a really 
good deal. And for some reason, the due diligence is finishing in three days. Shorter, yeah. Yeah, shorter. And there's a backup offer, so there's no extension for me. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I call up the company that's done my inspections or whatever. I've spent maybe four grand of DD money with them. And I said, hey, it's me here. Can you guys get in there tomorrow? And they go, look, we'll move some things around. We'll get in there. That's good. So that's all good. that money that you thought was just down the hill, down the toilet, they come through and they get you the report that night in order for you to make the decision to go unconditional before the deadline. So all that stuff is, yeah, got to be calculated. Don't ever burn your suppliers. eh? No, but it's dumb to spend all that money, then all of a sudden you go to a new company and you get no benefits from staying as a loyal loyal account person. Yeah. If you've got anything more to add on minimizing risk or maximizing returns, go for it, man. Minimizing risk for flipping always comes down to the sale price. Obviously, purchase price is the number one thing that's locked in that doesn't change. Renovation can blow out of the water. Sale price can change because of market conditions, interest rates, but the purchase price is always the number one thing that never changes from the moment you're in the deal. And you have to be pretty strict on that and not get emotionally connected to the deal because if you are taking this seriously and you have a skill of knowing how to find deals, you aren't as linked to that one deal when you walk away because you're like, eh, I'll just find another one in the tree three days. And once you go unconditional, dealing with the renovations, there, there are certain things that's capped that you know is not going to be the worst case scenario. Something's wrong with the wiring. Worst case scenario, the whole house needs to be rewired. So you probably capped that there like 15 grand new switchboard, everything like that. And you take note of everything that's coming through, if you can, once you've done your first couple of deals, stare at it on a spreadsheet or whatever, and be like, I know how much each tradie should cost. And that ticks a sort of a minimal box. And then you go to the sale price, which is where a lot of people can lose that big 40, 50 grand straight off the top. And that is maybe talk about it, not vetting the agent properly, not knowing how they operate. How are you talking to buyers? Um, If I was to mystery shop you, what are you sending to me as a buyer? Because I gave you all this information, but when I mystery shopped you here, you didn't even even give one of the biggest bonuses of what this house was, which was that subdivision quote or that blah, blah, blah. You know, you you just totally missed that out. And now me as a buyer has to chase up and ask if you have that or assume it doesn't exist. So I might go look at another deal. So all that stuff happens and people may be getting lazy on their post due diligence for the sale price where they're not calling, well, I, me, myself, I'll call every single agent in that town. I'll call every single one in one day. And it's like, why wouldn't you? It's free. Their job is to answer the phone. And worst case scenario, they're all going to be fighting for the listing and say only one of them gets it. And then you say that they're going to chase you up. Hey, how'd the house go? Are you written? No, sorry, I went with blah, blah, blah. You can use a third party bullshit excuse if you wanted to. My business partner wanted to go with them because blah, blah, blah. But I'm still ready to buy. Do you have anything else? Here are the criteria. And now you've got valuable information out there in the ether. Well, buyers are valuable in this market. Correct. Agents want your number and contact number at the very minimal. So at least one, when they go home at night and they crack open a beer and they're sitting there on the couch, they're like, what do I even do today? I spoke to that one dude. Maybe he'll buy something off me. Maybe I can send him something. At least that's something for the agent to have accomplished. But if you do that with eight agents a week, times that by, you know, half the year, you're getting agents sending you stuff, you're getting deals done and all that stuff. You just did one a day and you didn't even do it on the weekends. It's 250 agents. Yeah. You can get through the top 20% of agents in the country calling one a day. Yeah, and it's free somewhat. 
it's the same mobile charge you'll get every month yeah. and you plug your phone in and charge it and that's it. You can probably do it at work on the work phone. Yeah, on the way to, the, on the way to work. So you should be doing that on, the, on your work breaks afterwards. There's efficient ways to be searching on TradeMe as well, contacting agents. Texting is the key now, you know, voice messages, sending photos through WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever, right? So and the, the main thing is just calling as many agents as you can to get their point of view on what you you think you're going to sell that and get a lot of the agents feedback unbiased and, and smell out the ones that are just trying to buy the listing and the buying the listing is when they're just overinflating what they think they can sell it for. 580. Yeah, right. You want 480? You want 480? Oh, easy, mate. Easy. Maybe high fives on a good day. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. So that's why the CMA isn't like holding them in writing. It is just their professional opinion somewhat. But that's the only other way to mitigate the risks there and not being cheap on your lawyer. That's the other thing. The number one thing when it comes to the due diligence you're doing, you can't be, you know, having a few tradies, just throw another three, two, four, five hundred dollars on top of your bill without you even knowing or even caring. But then your lawyer bills you three hundred dollars for 14, 14 minutes that they talk to you at once. You have to be like, there has to be expensive yeah, value. Yeah. If you're doing due diligence on properties and you're not buying them, but your lawyer's involved, you still should pay. Yeah. Maybe maybe a couple of times a lawyer will, you know, overlook that. Yeah. But uh, you should be saying, hey, if I don't buy these properties I'm getting you look at, I will pay you. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. And, and having that mentality of, of respecting people's professional time is a great mindset, I believe. Exactly. That. Yeah. But you also got to be wary because, you know, dealing with buyers, their lawyers, some of them are like the most annoying people on earth because that like, especially when I focus on the regions, these are people in Auckland, maybe that have very expensive lawyer's office. They don't even know what a house in Invercargo looks like. So they're telling their buyer, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. Nah, 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 nah. And then months will pass, years will pass. And the client will have no investment property. The house prices will start to climb and the lawyer doesn't care at that point. They've just told them not to buy every house that they thought was like a little bit of a risk because that's what lawyers are. Their job is to like overprotect, which eventually people have to have everything in life is risky. The lawyer got in his car to drive to work, risk. Properties. Correct. Or, you know, at least a lot of investment property experience. Exactly. So you've got to be careful of who you take advice from because it could just stall you and you've kept paying the lawyer, then it becomes absolutely like a, a piss take. And you're like, well... What have I done? It's been nine months. So how are you finding these locations of properties to buy? You just run numbers and your your Sometimes. location agnostic? Or? Yeah, well, um, it's, it, it always uh, depends on who you are. For me, it would be different from other people. People would like to focus on where they know the tradies are because they would often look at doing the work themselves or getting their brother or their dad or someone to save on costs. But then they're focusing on the big cities because that's the majority where they live, possibly Auckland, right? In order for you to buy that Auckland house that puts the 40% deposit, an extra 80 grand that you need, you could have done a faster, have more cash in your reserve for a smaller region's property, right? And eventually that's what I teach is like how to manage these remotely. And a good, a good way of doing that is just to see where the government's spending their money. That's another big one. Yeah, infrastructure, the provisional growth fund. So wherever they're spending their money in small towns, that's where you could jump in on because the government ain't spending money where a town's going to go down. The government won't, let, won't do that. And they've already allocated things, their budget that's in writing online. Politics, Politics mate. 
Yep, because that's it. Capital gains stems from where the infrastructure is, right? Where the population is. Uh, and looking out for that type of stuff, uh, where big supermarkets, where major headlines in the news, are oh, this new XYZ's opening up, this new supermarket, university, 24-hour Kmart store, this, Mac- this new McDonald's complex, because these companies would pay 10 times more than the research, 100 times more than what me and you would do. They've been working on this for years. Can save New World countdown or whatever. Then yeah. within five kilometers, ten kilometers, you know, yeah. you know that the region is safe. Exactly. Yeah. And how much hardware stores they actually have, because that depends on your renovations and how many tradies there are, how many property managers there are, all that type of stuff. And again, in today's it fluctuates because my parents they didn't have any of this to try and buy property. There was no way. They would have done 45 in this time. Like you have to use the, the technology and the data of what's online. And again, with me, I'm not tech savvy much. My whole thing is like just talking and being on camera and just making phone calls. And with that, you can make a difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people want to avoid those difficult conversations. That's one of the things, right? And it's just a mental breakthrough, that sort of things that I go over at my seminars is like, you have to love the phone. If you do not love the phone, I will make the money on the phone in front of you and show you that all you had to say were these 120 words, which takes three minutes. But you already know what to say. You, you already just know what to say. Because the yeah. worst thing about it is that I can do this in front of you, hang up, and you're going to start telling me, oh, see, it's so amazing how you can do that. And so don't speak those words. Who cares? Why didn't you just say what we needed to say on the phone? You've already used the carbon monoxide that just came out to reply to me. Just say those words. And that's where sometimes we do set scripts and stuff. It's like if you can read a meme on your phone, you can read these scripts out loud. And then it takes practice because, you know, agents can sort of experience what will see right through you. Wiggle, wiggle out of it. Yeah, who cares? I, that same thing happened to me. Then eventually, like, your, your, your love and why and why you're actually doing real estate has to trump that. They have passion for property um, and their passion for property comes from, I guess, your desire to have financial freedom. Exactly. And if you've got the passion for property, it's probably because you see it as probably your main way you're gonna exactly and like a lot of people would be more passionate towards what they actually want to do in life like maybe it's like becoming an act maybe it's uh, to travel the world property can is just a vehicle to get your bank account up so you can go do whatever you want to do well that's one of the reasons arnold schwarzenegger was such a successful he was financially free before he started he He didn't have to choose any of the terrible roles that's great he's one of the main reasons why when i first was exposed like the hour the hour that was happening in front of my eyes when someone's talking about property arnold schwarzenegger is one of my idols great person they mentioned that fact yeah before he even hit hollywood and i was like what yeah, smart man. Yeah, very smart man. And you would have seen his doco, eh, recently? Watched uh, this good, this good yeah. documentary. And his books are good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a total recall stuff. And one of the, the craziest things, even with the Arnold doco, it's like that guy was hustling. He was like looking at real estate deals. He was like driving around with a phone in his car so he can make calls nonstop. Like people underestimate how hard this guy actually worked. Yeah, yeah. I was I was telling my friend we went to the hard store hardware store the other day and just I was I was telling him about a deal I'm trying to do. There's one business I want to buy. The guy's in his early seventies and we had coffee like a year ago and I know that I want to buy this business. Yeah. And I know that he doesn't really have a plan. And since we've had that lunch last year, I've probably tried to contact him by calling him maybe like five, six times. Yeah. No reply. I've texted him like six, seven times. 
with no reply for like a year just yeah. constantly and like every so often he would like send me like a short little message or whatever of like some bullshit yeah. and then i sent him another message recently about hey if i'm bothering you or you don't want to work with me anymore let me know i'm not gonna and then he calls me and he and he calls me with the hey just give me two more weeks and then i'm keen to catch up kind of thing what would have been the easiest thing to do is after the first one or two phone calls and texts to stop and i definitely wouldn't get the deal yeah, 100%. And it's good that you've done. You've actually used the sales skills out of the Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, he breaks it down even on email, how you started off with being like, you know, have you given up? Like, that's how you word it because no one wants to say that they've given up. Yeah. So when you, if no one's replying to you, email, text, you and you put in writing, hey, have you given up on this? Yeah, and then you go in with your message. They'll read that and be like, I haven't given up. Nah, and that's what prompted. So that's... Go for the no, yeah. Hi, Paul. Have you changed your mind about talking more about business or just been too busy? Do you want me to stop bugging you, Andrew? Yeah, 100%. That's, See, that, that, that's, that's the one that caught that, yeah? Yeah. And, I, and now I got 100 opportunities in front of me, and those are the kinds of things that I have to do to get the deals Absolutely. done. Absolutely. And people don't see that. No, no. And I guess it will be the same with property, with tradies, with with all of the things you're working with. Sometimes you just got to triple call someone. 100%. That's why it's like if you see someone successful on property, you look at their call log list, especially on a weekday. Um, It'll be like 40 phone calls minimum every single day. It's one of the things that's like use technology. Get onto the Bluetooth headsets so you can hands-free, so you can walk and talk and, and continue with your life as you're actually doing two things. Yeah, especially when you're driving to work. Gotta utilize the time, eh? I always say to the guys, don't listen to the radio in the car. Nah, it's a waste of time. That's the thing. Like I used to be like that. All the new songs that came out by Drake or anything and then now I just don't know any new songs. I either listen to podcasts that are to do with property or business or negotiations or I just spam the phone calls memorable lessons tell us about some of the, the bad ones the good ones you know it's there must uh, be memorable some lessons. the main thing is that learning the sentence other people's money makes your life just slingshot far so you have to know who are the people in your life that have money that might not actually end up giving it to you but at least if they're close enough practice asking them and find out the no Find out what it feels like for them to reject you and the reasons why. Because you need to be able to, I just say, you know, if it was your parents and they always said like, yeah, maybe they'll give, they'll help me on my deposit. They always said one. I was like, get the no out of the way. Because what you're doing is just sitting on your ass for six months thinking that's going to be the thing. Then they'll say no. Then I'll take your mom and dad at least two or three weeks or month to think about it a bit more. And then they might come back to you and be like, it's because the next time you catch up, it's because this reason, this reason or this reason. If you had asked them sooner, you would have found out those reasons, worked on your reply, worked on your objection handling. In a parallel universe, you who asked the question faster got the house before you did. Because you were just holding on to the the maybe. Nah, nah, I think so. And, and then do you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up having the balls to do it. And you're going to go ask them. And they're going to be like, oh, we would have. But your dad's just gone off and bought an $80,000 boat before he retired. What? And you know, if you were upskilled, you could have made more money with that 80 grand. Cashed out your dad with a bit of interest. Gone again. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so my main thing is to just get the no out of the way. Even expect a no, but just ask the question ASAP. Talking to the people that have money about how they make money or how they plan to make more money. And if they don't really have a plan to make more money, then you're highlighting that they have a need. 
Absolutely. And one of the annoying things as well is that what people need to other shortcuts, there's just so much easier shortcuts where people might have friends that are successful in business or anything to do with income. And right now in today's inflationary world, that is sort of priority. It controls everything in life. It controls your mood when you get home. It controls your partner's mood because of a certain bill that popped up or the way your car drives because it hasn't seen the mechanic in years. When you have a friend like that, that is doing good, and when you catch up with them, all you're doing is talking about yourself, terrible, fail. You should swallow your pride. This is just what a, a shortcut. You let them speak, and you ask them as many questions as you could possible, and you frame it as if, what would you be doing in my shoes? That's the only conversation that should happen at your short one-hour catch-up. But instead, people talk about what they've been up to to hold their pride in front of that person's eyes, who they know is more successful than them. But they don't realize that one of the things is that when someone's successful and they might, chances are they're egotistical. They just want to talk about themselves. So what you do is you drive the conversation to just keep talking about yourself, but do it in the way where the challenges do it if you were me. And they go, oh, okay, and then they'll start asking you questions. Well, what, what, what's, what's your key saver? How much are you earning? Uh, what's your mum earning? What's your dad earning? Oh, who has property? And they'll start f- giving ideas to you that you wouldn't, that's worth thousands of dollars. Don't talk about the bull. No way. Who cares about the movie that just came out or the new series launched? You've got limited time with this person and they'll feel happy talking about that too because chances are that person's all about business and themselves and they would love it for you to ask them for help but people always make this mistakes they talk about themselves and I sit there listening I'm one of those people continuously I will always if I'm sitting with someone that I know is business focused land mood and they've achieved great things I don't care about what I'm up to I know what I'm up to. I'm in my head all the time, as with everyone, right? I just only want to talk about them. But the one I have on the flip side with other people that I know where they are in life, and I know how I could help them because I love that. My number one thing is tell me your excuse and I'll destroy it in five minutes. Yeah, Mentorship is a tremendous privilege and people, yeah. people, you can love, get it for free. people love mentoring other people. Yeah, you can get it for free if you, if, you, if you stick around the right people at the right time for a certain duration of time. But then there's also the paid mentorships where you just pay someone for their time and just be like, this is a business transaction. I want this result from paying you this amount. And it's up to both parties to be like, yep, we can do that. But those small key character traits that people just need to open their, their eyes to the opportunities in front of them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... The question of how do you be a successful property trader kind of starts from the question of how do you be a successful dealer, a dealer with, yeah, well, with people, how do you deal with people? people person. Because yeah. property is always just about property, uh, people. How do you deal with agents? How do you deal with tradespeople? How do you deal with vendors and lawyers? And yeah. what, generally speaking, they should like you. Otherwise, they'll just delay. Yeah, 100%. And the, and the other final thing mainly is understanding that there are you know, wealthy-ish people in property that would pay someone for just providing value to them. And that's someone that has no money whatsoever. And this is why I push the deal sourcing strategy so much. Eventually, you just want more time. So let's dive deeper into that. So deal sourcing, you want to find a deal, a property, ideally get it under contract that has a lot of buffer in it for somebody else to come in. Walk us through it. So basically, you would just say, if you open up Trade Me, and you find a property that ticks these 11 boxes, say, all 11, at least eight, money can be made from this. There, in those 11, will have a certain thing that if you type in things on a calculator, it'll show a margin. From that margin, you know, if it sits around, say, 40 grand, 
that person that found the deal should just be eligible for 10,000 of that because the other person still has to buy it, sell on it, actually have the risk. So that is someone that's alien. So this is like alien money where you have no citizenship, you have nothing, you just landed on earth and someone said, look out, look on this free website called Trade Me or Real Estate or Home or whatever and if you find properties that tick these boxes, you will earn this amount of money. Now, it's not that easy. There's times where you're going to only find six out of those 11, nine out of those 11, but you needed all 11 out of 11 to hit. It will take time. It'll take a little bit of even due diligence money. It could be little, like even ordering a council file because you don't want to get the limb, like small things like that. Um, but it has to be secured under contract. So this is where I say the only thing you'll need here is a lawyer. Because everything else, you can, you don't need an accountant for this, technically. You can actually, if you know what you're doing, <clears throat> you need the, the clause and you need the sale and purchase agreement yeah. and you need to sign it with due diligence. Yeah. And, and then there's no legal fee. You can take it to another buyer and get them to use their law. But yeah, exactly, right? But chances are the agent might not accept that sale and purchase to be under contract if it didn't have a lawyer on it. So yeah, you think you're like putting right. TBC yeah. on it? Nah, no one will. Because I know if I'm a vendor and someone's bringing me, hey, Tom, I've got this. It's finally on. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Last page. Why is this legally binding? No lawyer details. Oh, they put TBC there. They're still working. Nah, boo, boo. Nah. Any diligent agents should defer and say, hey, if there's a lawyer, then. So really what you do need is you need an understanding with a lawyer that they might get notification yeah. about a contract. Yep, and you need to reply to acknowledge that it's been. Exactly. So you've, you've previously agreed with a lawyer that you don't want them to begin work on any contracts unless. It goes unconditional. Or unless specified. That. Yeah, unless you've requested it, post that, you know. If you want to do property transactions for free, first person you call is a lawyer. You say, hey, I'm going to be trying to get some properties on a contract. There might be a few of them. I don't want you to begin any legal work until no, I've confirmed by email. Yeah. And even then you might be looking at like a few hundred bucks for that, right? And say you've done those five properties and that's $1,000 gone, right? At this time, if you're serious about making money as a deal source, you have to, you should put that aside. Oh, a thousand bucks is nothing. Because if what you are you spending lawyer, your money on? You say to the lawyer, hey, I want to use the due diligence clause that you're comfortable with. Can you send me the first one? I want to put a thousand dollars down as my credit with yep. your firm. I'm going to be trying to get five to 10 properties on a contract in the next couple months. Yep. I'm not expecting you to do any work on them other than a quick cursory look yeah. maybe it's a hundred dollars a look or whatever but i'll be trying to get those contracts sold to someone else yeah correct and they'll be like okay cool so just be mindful of the contemporaneous or are you going to do this nominate it for a fee understand you're still on the hook if they don't settle because of denomination so understanding these types of stuff right yeah. and um yeah that, that's the first thing and that's just how to make yourself five ten thousand dollars with absolutely no money whatsoever and your value and be like why how is that possible because the rich guy is leveraging your time for 10 grand when he goes and makes 40 or 50, but who cares? And so many people are willing to pay property finders to find right, the right deal. I do. I'm one of them. <laughs> for the time basis, literally that. The non-property investment based people, the people that are newish to property investing might not quite understand, you know, 10, 15, 20, even 50 grand of property finders fee is actually well worth paying if the deal is worth it. 100%. And the real smart ones would be like, reduce their fee, but just send more deals and be like, I want to learn. So when, when they're coming back, being like, nah, not good enough. And like, oh, okay. But they also be like, because of this, because of this, maybe next time you should have done this, maybe you should have. that's thousands of dollars worth of advice there. 
especially if it's something as simple as your due, due diligence period is not long enough. It's $10,000 too much. Or yeah, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword there with like having a long due diligence period, chances are you're not going to get it for So what, what's the magic number? Do you share that? Well, you can also do, there's heaps of stuff where um, just a, a funny sen- sentence scenario is that like the far, the best way to reveal someone's absolute lowest number is basically the sentence. Cash, unconditional settlement in five days. If you can put that on paper, vendors are signing things that they never would have thought they would have signed because the agent standing over them being like, if you sign this, it's done, sold, money is in your account. Next week, Thursday, they're going to be like... What can we ask for another 10 grand to you? Oh, well, he could walk. Oh, well, you know, it's not on the contract. But if you touch ink, if you touch this paper holding this, it's done. They will sign. But how is a way where you can find that out without actually committing to being absolutely unconditional? You can actually be like the same number. Instead of cash, unconditional settlement in five working days, you can put this due diligence is due by 4 p.m. tomorrow. You can write that in. And then the agent saying the exact same thing, being like, look, you could have this done by 4 p.m. tomorrow, settlement in five working days. But, you know, yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you, if, you, if you sign it, worst case scenarios, he pulls out. But it's only tomorrow we get to work on Friday. Best case scenario, he buys it, it's done. Yeah. So what you've actually done there is you've opened up what their lowest number is, but you haven't actually yeah, committed. No, I understand. And in terms of deposit percentages, I'm guessing you guys have your best to move away from that 10% to, oh, to a lower number. You still percent anything uh, in the regions. 10% is definitely there for Auckland. One, one to 5% or even 0%. Yeah, yeah well, no, like, you go nil, full in settlement, 10 grand, 12 grand. It depends, right? If I'm if I'm doing stuff with agents that are bringing me the deals yeah. off market, say, the last thing they want to see on that piece of paper is a deposit that doesn't even cover their commission. Because they're going to be like, damn, I should have just tried, made an extra four calls and found someone else that would have paid me faster, you know? But because I work around the regions, that 3%, 3 point, whatever their fee is at a $300,000 sale price, that ain't much compared to 3% of an 800K house. And the value of that, if they get that, a month earlier is huge for that for agent. Them. The agent's the one that'll bring you another deal before it even settles. So now you've got two on the, you know? And plus you're helping the agent get more deals because they just sold a property off market really quick. Correct. And, and they, they can, can go, go and throw that on their social media, put the Solstein on. Another off market deal um, in, in two days. 100%. So there's, there's and, and like the thing is like, when you know this is the win, like how you just said, tell the agent that. Tell them the favor you're doing. Because some of them don't know. So you always got to be like confident in how you're saying like, this is helping you. There's not boot around the bush here. Keep bringing them to me. Be careful how you're saying, oh, sold off market in two days. I don't want too many investors calling you up <laughs> saying, you know, can I get on that list? Because you want to sort of have some exclusivity there. What's the end game for you, man? Like you're trying to hold every third property and get to 100 or? No, my end game with, is to appeal to the masses of the people that are the middle class below. And that's where the masses are. If you look at the wealthiest in New Zealand, it's like it goes into like the single digits percentage. So, you know, like the in the certain tax bracket there under say 70k income or 80 under 80k income in New Zealand, that's humongous. That's where the majority of them are. You know, so it's like I want to become the most popular property coach 
for them, which is beginners and medium. And you can only do that by giving as much value as you can, earning money to scale the brand, which is why you do the seminars and the coaching and everything like that, have really good test results, good reputation, obviously, and be known as that guy that helps the masses. Yeah, because even with the coaching stuff, like we make enough from the flipping, but obviously the coaching money is just way better for cash flow. And it's really good at building the brand when all the feedback, every feedback has been flawless. No, I think you're doing a good service, man, because if most mum and dad salary earners, for example, they're one or two jobs, if they just flip one or two properties a year for 20 years, they, they will achieve financial freedom. And if they kept every fourth or fifth property, it's hard to see how they could it would fail. Yeah, they will create success from that. Yeah, and the biggest problem that's just looming on people's minds at the moment, increased um, petrol, food, interest rates, blah, blah. If you actually collate that into like this big, like I sat down with a mortgage broker like you guys at one point, they go, look, this is what you guys are looking at increased. It's like 27,000. You guys need an extra 27,000 because of the kids daycare now, the adjustment for this, 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 and this. And then you're like, oh, well. And then all of a sudden you're like, you can save that? Probably not. You can try and start a side hustle of walking the dogs and the neighbor's dogs and all these small ticket ass things. And then it's like, or you can leverage equity in your house, do a flip, worst case scenario, make 25 grand and throw that all into this bank account that just clears your debt. Offset it, you know, like all that type of stuff. But like offset, you're not, that's not money you've earned. It's still debt, right? Family earnings, so how? 120 grand a year combined end of the year after all the expenses maybe they save 20 grand if they're really good at what they do they're really good and that's working 40 hour a week 48 weeks two of them Right. Seeing valuable events with the family, all that type of stuff you know and then one of the main messages that I push is make money to avoid pain because no one pushes that sort of message. Maybe Gary V does it at the end of the day, but it's not like to get the new car. That's why I don't do anything flashy. I don't do any, I don't post anything flashy. That's to the point people even question my credibility probably. I would, but it's to avoid the pain. It's like literally like, and I've made heaps of videos on it. Your dog gets six and he, like either you're putting him down or you're pulling out 11 grand. And to me, I no one putting down my dog. Their 11 grand is being transferred that hour. First thing I did with my dog when she turned eight weeks has got the insurance back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're smart and you've got insurance, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, things like that or family emergency or a flight that needs to happen that's quick of the spot or your sister's bond is delayed and she needs to transfer it over, and no one in the family can help her because that two and a half grand is denting their entire savings pile. That's what you actually want to um, make the money for is just to avoid the pain. Outside of that, you know, 50 bucks for me a day is all the money I really need. Oh, put a beers and go curry, man. That's me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No. Some of the lads said you like your beers. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, try to. I envy those guys get to go out with you all the time, man. I, you know, <laughs> I got three kids under uh, five and under now. It's, uh, oh, damn! Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's time for that sort of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, no, you're, you're doing it to the point where you know their security and safety is going to be well looked after in the future. By the time they get to like a, an age of maybe sixteen, seventeen, you're fully retired. You can do whatever you want, and like other stuff where you know, watching TV shows and movies where the kids eighteen now and she wants to travel to Spain or something and in the US of dad might not see her ever for like a, a year because of the, the cost of traveling back and forth. Terrible when that's I'm like, nah, my daughter goes anywhere in the world, man. I've got a house there. Don't care. I'll buy it the day she's like, I'm going to live in Switzerland, dad. Sweet. Where's, what's the trade me version of Switzerland? What university are you going to? Cool. And I'll buy a house. Like nothing will stop me from ever like not seeing 
my kids and that's because of money so you think of the long term there where it actually hurts like the pain that i can only imagine for some parents where finances have separated them from their kids that shit to me is like no having the experience now i say it's a lot easier having kids a lot easier trading properties than having kids yeah <laughs> so if you have kids you definitely have the skills enough. Yeah, the stress ain't anywhere near. The worrying, the constantly it's on your head, the constantly thinking, oh, we've got to plan dinner, lunch, breakfast. Okay, we're taking them to the mall. Where they're gonna, where I'm gonna change them all. It's the same thing with project management. Exactly. Yeah. If you can handle project management of children, then you'll be able to do, hand, kids, do yeah. the renovations in it. You, you know, know and it's like trial my, and error. Yeah. And my daughter's only like two years, four months, right? And I started flipping two years ago. So literally, the moment she was born, it was like February, March, April, first deal, start. Immediately, April, May, June, July, and just nonstop since then. So I had to, I had to do it. Yeah, I had to do it. I was going to do it regardless anyway. I just, I always knew I was going to try and make money. I just needed to know the, ve- the vehicle that was like somewhat that's too smart with finances, even math and software. That's what I could do. You know, I don't even know how to build anything. Oh, I'm terrible it's, with my... It's with, literally yeah, just learning no, no things that, skills, that yeah. come out of your mouth. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you see something, oh, and identifying the deals, but you have to call. You have to know what to say, negotiation strategies, all that stuff. And you learn trial and error. You know, Absolutely. those first phone calls you would have made compared to calls oh, you're doing now, you, are, you would laugh at yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah, but you know? now you... And even I'd laugh at myself two years from now. I'd be like, oh, well, you clearly made this mistake here. You didn't check this. You didn't check this. You didn't check this. And I know because I'm, I'm doing that to myself last for last year October me because you got all the checklists now yeah I've, I've systemized it not in like sort of like it'll get better and better and better and better and better I'd love to have you back more often to talk about specific yeah, deals absolutely I think you're a good follow on Instagram you just what is it Thomasing? yeah just Thomasing. Uh anywhere else people should check you out well I've got a new website coming out soon thomasing.com and that'll be like the main flagship of my brand that'll have everything on there um, which currently is getting um, made at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Bells and whistles. Bells and whistles, mate. Absolutely. Want it to be the best. No expense spared. Um, you know, I love doing the videos. I like to do videos different from others that I know. Like, um, And I want a professional setup like this soon as well. Come, come use this place, man. It's fine. Put your own signs up. Yeah, exactly, you know? And just the cool ones where you're doing the outside of a house in the reno, showing them this, showing them that. The action shots. Yeah, the action. That's what actually, otherwise it's just like too many of the talking heads, head ones that I've done for like a year and a half now. Eventually you just want to switch it up. Yeah, I saw your Elon Musk one the other day. Yeah, I just put it in front of the TV. That was a laugh. That was good. Yeah, and it's true, eh? It's way harder to save 10 grand than it is for, for, for 10,000. And the message was, you didn't learn anything from saving that 10K. It's painful. Mm. And it's... Definitely as painful saving 10 grand as it is to try and make it from a flip or, you know, contemporaneous or, you know, assigning a contract or whatever. It's a lot easier to 100%. to make money than to save money. Yeah. And Even so you make that, you saved your like blood, sweat and tears at 10 grand. Something happens to your, your mom. Go on. What are you going to say? No? Yeah. Go on. Now start again. Here's another six months. Unless you were like, oh, actually, there should be a point where I, could, I want to learn how to make 10 grand. It has to be 10 grand minimum skill. I don't want anything else. Don't come to me with like a, let's start a mug shop or let's just, just a walking the dog business. And I have to calculate how many of those I need to do to make the 10 grand net. 
not tax and then you know like and it has to be that it's not a leverage you don't want to pay money to make the money if you can avoid it if you can get a skill that makes you ten thousand or more and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go in debt to get to it yeah that's, that's the key it's a skill that you can go all the rest you of your life you can retire on that yeah technically if you, you just can, know you can scale it you can go okay I need to call 80 people instead of 40 because that might give me the 20 and if I'm doing 80 phone calls a month that is which isn't hard do 80 almost a day <laughs> 80 a month or whatever it gets you like an average is out 15 a month so you're now earning three times your salary because the average salary is like five grand a month in New Zealand yeah and you definitely can do a lot of this in your spare time yeah you know, but people a- are agents, just like agents work after hours they work weekends oh, man when I was starting I was calling agents at 9pm I didn't care because I'd have the time there after Zoe went to bed and I'd just start looking at things on trade me and I'd be like I'm calling them and some of them would answer and some of them I'd end up getting under contract flipping it made 40 grand so I'm like me calling that person and she was all for it well, otherwise they wouldn't pick up the phone and then eventually after a while you're like oh I don't need to be like that hungry now and back in the day because you know I'm still like not licensed anything I'm just some dude and I had no idea how like the actual law about real estate worked on the sale and purchase agreement on the back page it's got the vendor's number and their lawyer I'd just straight call the vendor and I'm like yo what are you doing like 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 why aren't you accepting my offer disregard the agent and just go straight to the angle or we'll be negotiating within contract and no one will be getting back to me so I'll just call the lawyer's office their lawyer and the lawyer's like who are you i'm I'm talking they're like oh are you mary's husband i'm like no i'm the the buyer and they'd be like why are you calling me you're not supposed to call me i've done all that too man you know because you're like you're ignorant you have no idea trying to speed things up of course yeah i've definitely met with vendors where it's not working out with the agents or whatever sometimes that helps the agents if they're still getting paid otherwise why have it on the simple purchase if it's supposed to be so confidential no one's supposed to reaching out it'll be withheld where only the lawyer's offices have the vendors numbers and purchase numbers but the thing is with the technology these days you can look up people's details anyway yeah see who owns what yeah 100% yeah oh, it's good talking to you man like I love the energy I love what you're trying to achieve just trying to get people to catch what you've got yeah is going to be great yeah it's awesome I mean, that's why I got to like scream it thousands of times at the camera and that's what I'm like at my seminars I just swear and yell a lot and, and they, they get it Some, a lot of them not one of them is leaves unmotivated and especially when I break it down give me any excuse you have and I'll destroy it in five seconds five minutes I need five minutes. And especially if it's the parents, I'm like, get me on the phone with them. I love that stuff. I will talk with your parents. Yeah, get the no. Get the no out of the way. Because you know what's going to happen? It takes like, you know, as I said, it takes like a month for them to think about it. And then what's going to happen is if you don't give up and just try anyway, you try the deal sourcing, you try and do it on your own. Months pass, you catch up with them for dinner. Well, how's everything going? Yeah, I'm still on that property buzz. I'm still trying to secure your blah, blah. Eventually your parents are going to be like, Fuck, we, could just get, we can just do this with three pieces of paper and help him out significantly. We can go away. We just needed to know <laughs> that he was serious about this and he knew what he was doing before we invested. Now that he's demonstrated it, we will give the funds. Is a is a good baseline. Like my parents have plenty of money. It's hard for me to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when you're going to some when you go to your parents, if they don't have a lot of money, you should expect no. You should expect resistance. Yeah. You should expect really hard questions. Expect questions that are you might think are silly or dumb. Yeah. So you're not trying to get the yes out of them. You're trying to get the no because of. Yeah. That's the, that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. The explanation because now you know what to work on. And then eventually there's a certain threshold where you know 
some people just cannot be bargained with due to their history, their past, or maybe even like a, Bad experience, a financial yeah. restriction where they can't actually do anything with it. And so you needed to find that out faster than having that in the back of your mind as your last Hail Mary move. And you've just sat around for two and a half years wasting life. And on that, yeah, <laughs> on that oh, look, um, uh, I, I can definitely see you're committed to, to helping people out. And, yeah. and that's that's what we're trying to do as well. And some of those people will come to us and some of them won't, but it doesn't matter. You know, we, we're trying to make New Zealand a wealthier nation and it will help everyone. Helps everyone, mate. Cool. And thanks for having me on. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. Les. <laughs>